couple of quick things here. Um, obviously, we all know these are difficult economic times, and they're really difficult for a lot of people in, uh, obviously, in the church, because we're a part of the, the overall community. And we've been getting a lot of calls recently from people within the church, not really outside the church. We always get calls from people outside the church, but from within the church that are just having a difficult time making ends meet. And for the first time, they've called up and said, is there any way that we could get a little bit of help? And, um, and you know, when, when people within the church call and, and ask for those things, it's sometimes a very humbling experience. And so, you know, we have an elders fund that we have set aside for needs such as this. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you would, um, to please give a little bit extra uh, so that we could put some more money in the elders fund because we pretty much depleted it for all the needs that have been going on. It's, it's a really uh, unique time in our, in our country's history when it comes to the economy. And I want to make sure that first and foremost, we meet all the needs of the people within this body. So if you would, if you would, as the Holy Spirit leads you, if you give a little bit of extra this week or next week and put on the bottom of the check elders fund, we'll put that in the elders fund and make sure the people within this body who are in need, and they're not asking for a whole lot. They're just, they're just asking for enough to get them through the difficult times. You know, um, I grew up in a one-bedroom apartment with my mom in New York, and I'll tell you the truth. I said this many times, but if we were going to a church like Grace Chapel, our lives would have been completely different. My mom, my mom worked really, really hard, um, and she could have kind of stayed at home and probably gotten more money than she, than she was working from the government. But she wanted to work, and she worked, and she just needed a little bit extra to, to survive. And either they, they said basically either take it all or you get nothing. Either quit your job and take it all or get nothing. And so, you know, it was difficult for us growing, for me growing up and for my mom to kind of make ends meet. And I think sometimes if we were at a part of a church like Grace Chapel when I was growing up, it would have made all the difference in the world. And that's where a lot of people are right now in the church. You know, they lost a job. Maybe they're working two part-time jobs, not getting the same salary. Their salaries are being cut. Um, you know, they, they're out of, a, out of work right now and just having a difficult time making ends meet. So I want to, I'm not up here, I'm not up here begging. Uh, this is the body of Christ. We're all in this together. What I'm saying is if you feel led by the Holy Spirit to give to that particular elders funds that we can give uh, resources to people who need it, that would be awesome. One other thing, um, people outside of our church, in our community, uh, we are trying to get our backpacks filled up for, with school supplies. And we're about $500 short uh, of all the people who are asking. And so we're trying to get a little bit more money in that account uh, so that we can have backpacks filled with school supplies for all the people within the community, most of which who come to the food pantry, and we're doing it through the food pantry, um, who are in need. So they're, they're signing up. We're, we're, we're coming up a little short. We do have the rest of August, but school's going to start pretty quickly here. So I wanted to throw those two needs out because they were the ones that came to me this week. Um, and I just want to encourage you, if you, have, if you feel led of the Holy Spirit to, to give a little bit extra, let's do that and take care of those within our own body, in our own community, who are in need right now. I found a poem called Your Hand that I want to share. It says, When my world falls down around me and the ground is sinking sand, when peace can't be found on this earth, I reach out for your hand. Then when your hand wraps round my own, a strength pours from my soul. It brings me a quiet calm till once again I'm whole. A peace beyond all reason, a rest there in your touch. Something in your quiet words make my heart yearn for so much. 
If I, if, if, if I but rest my worries upon your shoulder there, the strength that pours forth from your soul will wash away each care. Like a cool, sweet taste of water for a tired and thirsty man, my heart finds peace, my soul is calm when I reach out for your hand. We're continuing our series this morning, Summer to Serve, Being God's Hands and Feet, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about what it means to be God's hands to a, a lost and hurting world. What does it mean to truly be the, God's hands, his body, his hands to, to a hurting world? Have you ever really, look at your hands for a second, kind of look at them really good. Ever look at your hands? Your, your hands tell a story. Many people can have physical scars on their hands that tell a story. But your hands, whether it's remembering something that you've done with your hands or or the scars on your hands, or our hands tell a story. My hands tell a few stories, and the scars are there, that I would like to forget. Um, stories of you know, stupidity, if we will, okay? Um, I'm not the greatest one when I, to build things. I don't, I'm not the handiest guy in the world. Um, and one time I was trying to build a birdhouse. And, you know, you, you need simple tools to build a lot of these things. Well, I had a drill, and I had the wood and, and nails and everything, but I didn't have the little thing you lock it into, you know what I mean, so you can kind of drill through the wood. So in my genius, I held the piece of wood up thinking to myself, I'm just going to drill it like this, and then when it gets close, I'll just stop, you know what I mean, hold it like this, and it'll go through. Well, I was holding it. It wasn't going through, so I was putting a little bit of pressure on there and just went right to that wood and drilled myself right in the finger right here and shoot up part of my finger right here on my hand. And I thought, that is one of the stupidest things you've ever done in your life. Another stupid thing I've done in my life, and this is even stupider, um, I, was fi- I loved to fish. Loved to fish. Um, you know, I could fish all day long. And when I was younger, I-, I, have, I have learned to control my temper. But when I was younger, I had an extremely violent temper. And uh, I was fishing. Anybody ever fish for catfish? Any catfish? You know, anybody who's ever fished for catfish know that catfish have spikes on either side of their fins and one right in the middle. And they also will try to bite you when you try to get the hook out of their mouth. So I'm fishing, catch a catfish, and I got him up on, the, uh, on shore, and I was trying to take the, the hook out of his mouth, and he bit me on the finger. Well, in my genius, I punched him. <laughs> and he stuck to my, fa- I have a scar right there, and you can come see, like, I have a star- I actually have a couple of stupid scars from punching catfish, but that one stuck, and I was, literally, the catfish was hanging off my hand, because I punched him, and he stuck his, his fin straight up, and he stuck right to my hand, and you know, fish have fins that are kind of sticky, but catfish literally have a spike that sticks up in the, in the top and on the sides, so I have a scar, many scars from catfish, from punching catfish, you didn't think I learned the first time, um, other, I have other scars. Uh, I have a scar right here. This is probably the biggest one I have on my hand. And that is a childhood scar. It reminds me of my childhood, of running and having a good time, sliding around the woods. I was running through and I slid down this hill and someone had thrown a porcelain toilet over the hill and it broke into pieces. And I slid right across the porcelain toilet and got a big scar right in my hand, cut my hand pretty good right there. I have a, another scar over here on my, on my finger, on my pinky. I was on, we were on vacation. This is about maybe five, six years ago. And uh, we were in the Suburban, and, and we were all getting out, and I put my hand on the door, and Kim decided to close the door. She didn't see my hand and closed my, the door 
right on my finger, okay? I won't even tell you the sound that it made, but it cut a hole, it cut a big, you know, hole in my, my finger, so you can kind of see right down in there. Well, that's as far as I'll go. But um, Kim felt so bad, and, and I didn't want to, you know, you're the dad, and you know, you don't want to make your child feel bad because he just slammed your finger in the, in the you know, I, I, real quick, I slammed my, th- I was in a dump truck, I'll get back to the story in a second, this is a good one too. I was in a dump truck working for the, working for the government, my uncle was a brigadier general, he got me good jobs in the summertime when I was in college, and it was starting to rain, and I jumped in the dump truck and put my hand on the door. I reached back and pulled the door closed and slammed the dump truck on my finger. And an old German taught me this. So if it ever happens to you, I'm, I'm giving you information you'll be thankful for later on. My hand was, my thumb was throbbing. Anybody ever crush their finger when their hand is throbbing? You know how you relieve the throbbing? You take a little drill and you drill your fingernail like this a little bit. And then you take a pin and poke it. Oh, what a feeling. All the blood comes out and it's great. This is some sermon, huh? It's like, all the children should leave because I have another scar. I'm just kidding. Another scar right here in my leg and I was going to shark. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so Kim slammed the door on my finger. I'll go back to that story. Kim slams the door on my finger and I wanted to be, I didn't want to be like, oh, my finger, oh. So I just, I was like, ooh, that really hurt. And she said, are you all right? I said, no, it's fine. I'm fine. She walked away. We're going to Wegmans on the way to New York. And I turned to Deb and I said, I'm about to pass out. I mean, it was, it was, I was in so much pain. We went Wegmans and fixed it all up, got a little butterfly thing on there. It was fine. It was amazing though. About an hour later, God truly healed that finger. I felt no pain about an hour later. I was passed out in the back of the, I'm just kidding. I wasn't, no. I really, I felt no pain and about an hour later. It was, it was truly amazing. Your hands, your hands tell people what kind of life you lived. I mean, for every scar I have on my body, I have, I have kind of a story that I could tell. And your hands tell a story about your life. And even if you don't have scars on your hands, your hands will tell the story of your life. God knows what your hands are capable of doing. God knows what he's given you your hands for. And our hands are given to us to reach out and to impact people's lives, to praise him and to help others. And your hands will tell, at the end of your life, your hands will tell the story of your life. You know, you, you can tell the hands of a mechanic, can't you? God, no matter what they do sometimes, they can't get that grease from underneath their fingernails. You can tell the hands of a mechanic. You can tell the hands of a professional football player. A lot of you know Anthony Munoz, and if you shake Anthony's hand, if you look at his hands, his fingers are a little bit twisted in some places. I remember, how many people remember Ronnie Lott? Remember Ronnie Lott? Yeah, all the, all the guys remember Ronnie Lott. I'm from sure some of the women do too. But Ronnie Lott uh, had one of his fingers amputated. And here's how, here's how this story goes. Ronnie Lott was in a football game, and he slammed his finger against the helmet of another player. And he had a choice. He could, he could go and get his finger treated right then, be removed from the game, out of the game for the rest of the game, and have his finger treated, or he could stay in the game and have his finger amputated after the game. Guess what Ronnie Lott chose to do? <laughs> Nine-fingered Ronnie Lott, baby. He had his finger amputated after a game because he wanted to stay in the game. We're like, oh my gosh, how could you do that? How could you like lose your finger for one game? He's a professional football player. That's who he was. That's who he is. He's a professional, he was before, but he's a professional football player. And his hands show the scars of professional football. 
You can tell Ronnie Lott played football, mangled hands, missing one finger. Ronnie Lott was a football player. We are followers of Jesus Christ. Our hands should reflect who we are. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. Our hands at the end of our lives should reflect our Savior. A life of sacrifice, a life of giving. Our hands can be used for so many things. Our hands can be used to bring healing or cause harm. Our hands can be used to to praise God or to curse him. Our hands can be used to symbolize hatred or they can be used to symbolize peace. You 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 can talk with your hands like I do or you can, like the high schoolers do, talk to the hand. You know what I'm saying? Hands are used for a lot of different things. Hands are good, good for, for, for giving and they're good for receiving. Hands are good for, for clapping and they're good for slapping, which you shouldn't do. Uh, you know, you can, you, can, you can show your hands. Hands show passion and they show pain. Our hands reflect who we are. We communicate with our hands. Hands, hands the hands of a Christian should reflect our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and how we live our lives, the way we express ourselves, our hands should reflect him. Our hands, my friends, tell people a lot about us, a lot about us. And one other thing is true about hands. God created a few exceptional people and everyone else is right-handed. Now, do you tell, do you, yeah, all, all lefties, raise your hand. Yeah, clap, come on, give me a clap for that one. Yeah, all six of you. All right. No, you're all exceptional. You're all exceptional. God created you all. We're all equal. Lefties are a little bit smarter, but they're all, we're all equal for the most part. Now, do, do, your, do your hands tell a story? That's really what we're talking about this morning. Ask yourself, do my hands tell a story? And what story do they tell? You know, we live in a world filled with pain and suffering. And because of that, sometimes our hearts get hardened. We choose not to reach out with our hands and show compassion because of the cost of what it will cost us to do that. And so we step back and we don't really want to get involved. And this happens in the Christian walk as well. And when it happens in our lives, we need to be thinking this through. We can't allow our hearts to be hardened. We need to be soft hearted so we can show love and compassion. So we can reach out, reach out with hands of love because we live in a lost and hurting and broken world. And people need a hand of love and compassion to walk them through the difficult times of their lives. There's, there's, there's difficulty in every single person's life. Every single person life, life here, you either have gone through something difficult, multiple things, the older you are, the more you've gone through, or, but younger or older, each one of us, if you haven't already, will go through a challenging time. And we need each other. We truly need each other as the body of Christ to reach out our hands with compassion and help each other through the valleys. The problem is, in a world with, with more suffering, there are fewer hands doing the work. There are fewer hands reaching out. Our world is in desperate need. Our country is in desperate need. But there are more needs and there seem to be fewer hands trying to meet those needs. Some people are just, you know, they've kind of just backed off and said, this is, this is just too difficult. I, I can't deal with it, so I'm not going to do anything. That as a Christian is not acceptable. In in the face of all this pain, are your hands, my friends, showing the scars? In the face of a difficult and challenging world, do your hands show the scars? 
Do your hands reflect our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? In Mark chapter 1, verses 40 and 42, it says this, A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Listen to this. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Lepers, my friends, are not cute little children, okay? They are not cuddly, fuzzy puppies. They are hideous, flesh-eaten people. And when you have a leper, in Jesus' time, when you were a leper, you went off on your own. You separated yourself from others. No one was touching you. No one would get near you. And if you came out and you saw someone, you would have to yell, unclean, unclean, so people would not come near you. And if you got too close, they would hurl rocks at you to make sure that you stayed away. And it's in this context, the man comes out. And think of, think of the, the boldness and the faith and the, just the, the, oh, what do I have to lose? I mean, here is Jesus. And he runs out and falls at his feet. And Jesus Christ, being who he was, he saw this man. And instead of healing from a distance, he held out his hand and he touched him. He could, he, he could have healed this man for, by just a thought. He could have snapped. He, the guy could have been standing over there and he could have said, Jesus could have said, hey, whoa, 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 whoa right there. That's it. That's far enough. Number one, you're nasty looking. And number two, you stink. So listen, I'm going to, you're healed. Now come over here. Let's talk a little bit. Now, now you're more presentable. That's not what he did. Here's this hideous flesh-eaten person kneeling before him, and he has compassion. First, the compassion wells up. And when compassion wells up, he reaches out his hand. You see, the question is, if your hands are not showing the marks this morning, if you're not reaching out to those in needs, you have to be honest with yourself, and you have to ask yourself, where's my heart? Because it starts in the heart and flows out into the hands. And when you show and you have compassion on someone, you're going to reach out in some way, reach out and touch them in some way. Verbally touch them, physically touch them. You're going to touch them in some way. And Jesus has compassion and he reaches out and touches him. He embraces him. He, he, you know, he, he came close and he entered into that man's suffering, entered into their suffering. That's what Jesus did. And that's what he expects us to do. He expects us to reach out our hands and enter into the suffering of those who are in need. And for Jesus, it didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter at all. Jesus didn't have a litmus test for who he was going to show compassion and love to. Whoever it was, whatever the need, Jesus Christ was willing to open his heart and he was willing to reach out his hand. He is our Savior and Lord. We are to follow his example. There are no exceptions for Christians. We are to do what he did, and we are to do what he commands us to do. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's an expectation of God that we should be like him, and we should reach out to those in need. When you see people in pain, what is your response? Honestly, Think in your own mind. What's my response when I see people in pain? Do you, you know, maybe uh, some people, a lot of people, many people put, put it out of their minds. They try to put it out of their minds 
because, you know, you see this, you see this poor person over here, you watch this TV uh, commercial and you see this kid over here. And, and so you put it out of your mind. You don't want to think it's just too much. There's too many out there. I don't need to pray for this kid. I don't even, I'm not giving him anything. I certainly don't need to pray for him. I'm just going to turn the channel or I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn the pastor off when he talks about the needs of other people. I do plenty. I don't need it. I'm just going to turn all these things off. But Colossians chapter three, verse 12 tells us what we should be doing. It says, don't put it off. It says, put on like you'd put on clothes, put on. It tells us to put on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. It says to put on those things. That's who we are. We are to put on those things and our hands should reflect our minds and our hearts. Our hands should reflect the kind of people that we are. We are joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We are a royal priesthood a chosen people, a people belonging to God. And we need to express that by the way we live our lives and our hands should reflect that kind of attitude. Christians should have a deep sensitivity to the needs and the sorrows and the hurts of other people. I believe somewhere in the Bible, doesn't it say we should weep with those who weep? You know how you weep with those who weep? When someone is in pain, when someone is suffering, the way you weep with those who weep is you enter into what they're going through. You think, what if that were my child? How would I feel? What if that were my mom or my dad who was diagnosed with cancer? How would I pray? What if that were me out of a job? How would I feel? That changes, that radically transforms your prayer life. And that's what God is calling us to do, to be radically transformed so that we can radically transform the lives of others. We need to enter into the suffering of other people, enter into it. We should be blind when it comes to entering in. We should be blind to color and race and economic status. We should, high schoolers, you should be blind to who's cool and who's not cool. We need to enter into other people's suffering. Let me give you an example of how a high schooler can enter into someone else's suffering. You're in school, and not one person here most likely can give me a a, a story where you went through all of high school and just cruised on by, and no one ever said or did anything to you to really hurt you deeply and wound you. Most of the time in high school or junior high, especially in junior high, but then into high school, some people are tormented. Now, as a believer in Jesus Christ... As a follower of Jesus Christ and your hands reflecting him, wouldn't it be astounding? Wouldn't it be amazing if you saw someone being tormented and you stepped in and rescued that person from their torment? Wouldn't that be Christ-like instead of thinking of yourself and your own reputation, you were put aside your reputation, you put aside your own feelings and you rescued the person who was being tormented or ridiculed or hurt in some way. Let me tell you something, honestly, I believe this with all my heart. If you did that when you were in high school or in junior high, if you did that, especially in high school, that would be the thing you remember most. You will remember that on your deathbed. That will be what you remember the most in high school. That event, that time, that opportunity where you stood up and you stood up for someone who was weaker. You stood up for someone who who couldn't defend themselves and you defended them. That is what you will remember most about your high school career. I guarantee it. 
Five years out of high school, you don't remember most of the people you went to high school with or most of the things that happened there. But that is something you remember for the rest of your life because you acted like Jesus Christ. You became Christ-like and your hands. And when you're old and you're laying in your deathbed and you look at your hands, God will remind you of those experiences when you followed him, when you had the courage to become like Christ and to defend the defenseless. God calls us to do that. We should offer our hands of compassion and love to anyone who has need. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is James 1.22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. The Christian life is not just about learning and, and, and understanding the word. It is about applying the word. When you apply the word of God, when it goes in your head and you have it in your heart and then you apply it to your life, you own it. If it's only here, you don't own it. It is knowledge to you. That's all it is, is knowledge. When it's knowledge and then you put it in your heart and it's belief and you own it in your heart and you apply it to your life, you truly have ownership of that information, the word of God, the word becomes alive to you. And that's what God called us to do. And we, 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 don't, just, we don't just learn and we don't just grow from learning and understanding. We grow from application, from applying what we know to be true. You know, Jesus Christ, lived his life consistently by reaching out his hand, a hand of love to a lost and hurting world. He, he, he constantly, he constantly met needs. The Christian life is about meeting the needs of others, about glorifying God and meeting the needs of others. It's about showing, showing compassion. It's about our hands should reflect Jesus Christ and our hands should be about the scars, about having those scars and showing those scars. Our hands should be about wiping the tears off people who are suffering. Our hands should be about protecting the weak, encouraging those who are going through a difficult time. Our hands should be about washing the feet of other people, holding those who are helpless and those who are hurting. That's what we should do with our hands. That's the story our hands should tell. Youngest to oldest, that's when we look at our hands, that's what we should see. As a church, we have decided, we have decided to make a choice to defend the defenseless, to stand up for the weak, to feed those who are hungry, whether it's in our own community, in our own church, or around the world. We have made that decision as a church to follow the example of Jesus Christ and defend those who cannot defend themselves. It is a part of our DNA. It is a part of who we are. It is a part of our heartbeat and our passion to defend those who cannot defend themselves. And not just when it's convenient for us to do that. Not just when it's easy for us to do that. You know, if you're working really hard with your hands, you don't get blisters if you stop when it begins to hurt. You don't get blisters. You get blisters when you're serving and you're working and you continue to work even after your hands begin to ache. I love going to Mexico. And I'll tell you something. Some of my vivid, most vivid memories about Mexico are working with some of the girls who go on the trip. Here are these girls with their fingernails, and usually when they're around, they just, boy, they're just girls. They get to Mexico. I'm going to tell you, you put a shovel in their hands after they've held a couple of those kids in Mexico, after, after they've, they've spent time with them, and they've built that relationship, and you hand them a shovel, or you hand them a pick, or you hand them a sledgehammer, 
the girls now, they will hammer and sledgehammer and they will pick and they will dig until their hands are not only do they have like the, 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 the little bubbles there, they, they will literally there till they're bleeding. Until they're bleeding. And these are, these are the girls because of the love they have for those children, the love they have for Jesus Christ. My friends, if you stop working hard with your hands when it gets difficult, you won't have scars. Your hands won't be bleeding, I promise. You just put it down and quit doing it. As Christians, we need to pick it up and we need to work until sometimes our hands are blistered and sometimes our hands are bleeding. Your hands, my friends, show the marks when you are living a life of sacrifice. Your hands will show the marks when you go the extra mile. Your hands will show the marks when you reach out and go beyond what you thought you were physically capable of doing or emotionally thought you were, you were capable of doing. I cannot enter into this person's suffering. It's just too much for me. But you know, when you do enter into that person's suffering, God gives you the strength. God gives you the emotional strength to come alongside that person. And you become the other person's strength in a sense. You, with your hands, hold them up through the power of Jesus Christ. God will give you those things. You experience it when you go beyond what you thought you were capable of doing. I've come to believe with all my heart that it is not a lack of Bible knowledge, Bible studies, or, 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 or discipleship, or training, or good worship, or solid preaching that keeps people from living a sacrificial Christian life. It isn't, we are not, we don't lack in those things. We don't, we're not missing out on those things. The reason we don't live a life that way sometimes is that so many Christians lack the courage and the commitment and the discipline to go to the cross and die to self. Therein lies the problem. It isn't a lack of knowledge. It isn't a lack of good worship. It's not a lack of solid preaching or small groups or any of those things. Many times the fact that Christians don't have the courage and the commitment and the spiritual discipline to go to the cross and die to self. If you're a believer here this morning, theologically, when you said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and be my savior. You also said, come into my life and be my Lord. And Jesus said, when you entered into that relationship, you died to self. I ask you a question this morning. What does a dead person need here on earth? What do dead people need? Nothing. God will provide everything that we need to live this life. God will provide those things. We need to go to the cross and die to self. Our responsibility as believers in Jesus Christ is to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and all of our souls and all of our mind and all of our strength and then to what? To love our neighbor as ourselves. And the way you do that is you die to self. You put yourself on the back burner. You put other people before you. You enter into their pain. You make their problems your problems. When they're suffering, you suffer along with them. You weep with those who weep. You show compassion to those who are hurting. That is what this church needs to be all about. That is what Christians need to be all about. Loving God with all of our hearts and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And if that causes me, listen, if that causes me to suffer, if that causes me pain, if it causes me some stinking inconvenience, if it causes me to whatever, you know what? Tough on me. The Christian life is about sacrifice. It's about having hands that show the marks. 
It's about having scars that reflect your relationship with Jesus Christ and the fact that you've reached out and suffered and invested in the lives of other people. I've heard, I've heard it said for, about pastors, and I, I would go across the board with Christians who live their lives this way, but if, if, you, if the scars, emotional scars, showed like physical scars, a lot of Christians would be hideous because of the way they invest in other people's lives. The emotional scars, the emotional toll it takes, the, the, is almost overwhelming sometimes in the Christian life. And I believe sometimes that's because there aren't enough hands reaching out to those in need and those who are left have to do so much reaching that it is almost overwhelming. God calls every single one of us. If you call yourself a Christian, God calls us to reach out with love and compassion and have the courage and have the commitment and have the discipline to go to the cross and die to self and serve other people. Our God is looking for men and women who are willing to get their hands a little bit dirty, a little bit bloody. That's what God is looking for. For men and women, for high school students, you know what? Seriously, guys, high school students, I love you with all my heart. Stop wasting your time. Stop wasting your time. You guys are incredible. You're so incredibly gifted, but you waste your time on the most mundane, ridiculous. You, you, you get yourself sucked into all these little things that don't matter a hill of beans when you could be using all of your gifts and all of your talents and all of your abilities and everything you are to serve God. And someone please show me in the Bible where it says that you can act like a whatever until you hit adult and then you can start acting like a real Christian. Right now, it's just kind of like in your high school and junior high years, you can kind of float along and blah, 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 and not worry about it and do your thing. And Show me chapter and verse where it says you guys get a free pass from being a Christian and living like a solid biblical Christian and living your life for Jesus Christ and sacrificing for other people, including your mom and your dad and your brother and your sister. This is the greatest opportunity you will ever have to, to show sacrifice when you're living your house right now with the people you're most comfortable with and aggravate you the most sometimes. This is the greatest opportunity you'll ever have to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and show love and compassion and mercy and grace and all those things to those around you. Live your life as God calls you to live. I don't want you to waste one moment of your life not living the way God has called you to live because that's a waste of time. He's called you to so much more. He's looking for people, my friends, who are willing to follow his example. Willing to follow his example and show the scars of service and whose hands tell a story. In Matthew chapter 15, 29 and 30, it says this. Jesus was a healer. His hands were the hands of a healer. And in Matthew chapter, chapter 15, 29 and 30, it says this, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. He touched their hearts, and he changed their lives. His hands were always doing God's will. From childhood, from birth to death, 
Jesus Christ's hands were always doing God's will. And all I'm saying to you, as oldest, the oldest person here to the youngest, okay, from junior high, high school, adults, older adults, all I'm saying to you is that our hands should be about the same things that our Lord's hands were about. And that is doing God's will. Do it every chance you get it, every opportunity you have to do the will of God. Your hands should be reflecting and doing the will of God. That should be our desire. We should have hands of healing. We, we, we should, we, we should, as long as you have breath, if you still have breath, you should be looking for opportunities to serve. You should be looking for, for opportunities to give, to reach out, to show compassion. As long as you're still breathing, that should be your desire. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. Listen to this. It says this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Whatever your hand finds to do right now, you're alive. You're still breathing. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Why? Because where you're going, for in the grave, where you're going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. You're all going to die someday. I hate to break the bad news. So am I. So while you still have breath, whatever God calls you to do with your hands, do it with all of your might. Do it with all of your strength. Do it with all of your heart. This summer is not over. This summer to serve is not over. And there are great needs. There are great needs in our church, in our community, and around the world. There are so many great needs that we can fill. And so I ask you again, as I've asked all summer long, what radical, bold, or an orthodox decision have you made so far this summer? I know what some people have done. Why do you think our budget went from here to here in July? Because people are doing bold and radical and orthodox things. God is speaking to people's hearts. God is speaking to people's hearts to reach out in love and show compassion to others. People are serving in ways they've never served before. People are praying in ways they've never prayed before. People are giving in ways they've never given before because we're doing bold and radical and unorthodox thinking. God is speaking to our hearts. We're not shrinking back. We said seven or eight weeks ago, we will not waste this summer because the economy is not doing very well. We will do amazing things. We'll look back in the summer and we'll praise God for everything he's done through us instead of sitting around and waiting for the economy to turn around before we can actually serve God, which is a lack of trust and lack of faith in God. We took the other road. Thank you very much. I'm proud to be your pastor. Thanks for doing what God has called you to do. So this summer has been one of the, it has been the best summer we've ever had as a church. I'm not talking just financially. I'm talking all the way around and people giving of themselves. Amen, man. I'll clap for that. People giving of themselves, that's what we want to see. That as a church, that's what we want to see, God boldly working in our lives. Look at your hands again. Look at your hands. Just, just front and back. When was the last time that those hands touched someone who was hurting? You know why I go around and hug people every Sunday? You know, a lot of people are new to the church, and they see me going around like, what's up with this, man? I'm just, all right, shaking hands is one thing, but this guy's, you know, sh- hugging everybody. You know why I hug people? Well, that's just because I'm a huggy person. I hug people. I am a huggy person. But you know why I really hug people? Because you never know how long a hug has to last someone. You know, you, you may get hugged every single day. You may come from a huggy family, affectionate people. You hug each other. You may get hugged every day, but you know, a lot of people only get hugged when they come here, and I hug them. 
And there are specific people I go to and make sure I hug every single Sunday because I know they don't get hugged by anybody but me. I was standing out in the foyer about five years ago. And I gave a guy, I walked up to a guy, he's probably 17 or 18 years old, and I gave him a big hug. And as I'm hugging him, he starts to cry. And he looked at me and said, you have no idea how long it's been since anyone's held me and hugged me like that. That's why I hug people. When was the last time the hands that are attached to your body have reached out and touched someone who is hurting, who needs some compassion? Do your hands show the marks of service? I believe our hands reflect our commitment to God. I do. I believe that your hands and my hands reflect our hearts and reflect our commitment to God. They tell other people about our journey. At the end of your life, your, your family will talk about your journey. They'll be holding that old hand, that old wrinkled hand, sometimes kind of gnarled up a little bit from whatever you've gone through in life. They'll be holding that hand, and that hand will remind them of who you are. They will, it will reflect your life. It will tell people the journey that you've been on. At the end of your life, what will your hand say about you? Will they be hands that tried to move mountains? Will they be hands that touched people's hearts? Will they be hands that carried another person's burdens? What will your hands say about you? You know, I, as I was writing this sermon, something struck me. Just I don't know why it came to me. I'm sure the Holy Spirit just put it in my mind. But I've done a lot of funerals in my life, been to a lot, performed a lot of funerals in my life, and something stuck out when I was thinking about this. When you lay a person in the casket for their final rest, they usually take their hands and fold them on their lap. And fold them. And that's okay, absolutely okay for a dead person, but for some of you, I believe that you're taking an early rest. You're resting too soon. You've have, you have your hands folded comfortably and safely on your lap. Newsflash, you're not dead. Get back to work. You're not dead. Take your hands off of your lap, unfold your hands, and reach out with love and compassion to those who are in need. My friends, take your hands out of your laps off of your laps, unfold your hands and use them to serve God. It is not a suggestion of mine, it is a command of his. You know, so many people walk around either having their hands folded on their laps or, or they, they have their fists clenched. And you know, how, you know how God can use you? You are used of God when your hands are open. God can pour into you when your hands are open. God can place blessings in your hand when your hands are open. And you can give those blessings to others as you have your hands open to give what you have received. With your hands closed and your fists clenched, you cannot receive anything. If your hands are folded comfortably on your lap, you will not receive anything. And you will not give anything to anyone else. I love you with all of my heart, I promise. 
I'm speaking to myself. You know this about me. I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to you. I preach a sermon to myself first all week long, and then I preach it to you. But I say with all the love and passion in my heart, get your hands off of your laps and get back to work. There are too many people out there who are hurting and suffering. There are too many people who need your hand of compassion and love. There are too many people who need your support to hold them up. And there are not enough hands to go around. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, then I plead with you with all of my heart to take your hands and reach out to someone and show compassion to them. You know what's amazing if you think about it? It's truly amazing. Jesus Christ died the same way that he lived his life, with his arms stretched out and his hands open wide. Now, I'll tell you something amazing as well. Think about this. Not even death could keep his hands folded on his lap. Not even death. And I want to ask you one last thing as we close. I want you, if you would, the application, the application all the way through, but I want you to do something specific for me. And I'm going to do the same thing. I want you to think of one person, just one person in the next week or two weeks, one person that you can reach out to and with hands of compassion and love, someone who's hurting, one hurting, emotionally hurting, physically hurting, spiritually hurting, it doesn't matter. One person who's hurting and reach out with hands of love and compassion and impact that person's life. Just pick one person. One person to influence. One person to hug. One person to give something to. Maybe it's God saying, give something to this person. Whatever it is, pick one person in your life. At work, it's, well, not school's not around, but work and your neighborhood with your friends, whatever. Pick one person and open your hands and show them the compassion that God calls us to show. And then here's what I'd like you to do. If you would, if you remember, I would like you to email me and tell me what you did, who you reached out to, how it affected them, and how it affected you. For two reasons. One, accountability. Number two, because it truly encourages my heart to hear how God has been working in your life. If you forget, it's okay. But don't forget to reach out. Reach out to someone. Show compassion and love to those folks, whoever it is. And then if you would, email me and let me know how it affected their life, how it affected your life, and what specifically it was that you did. Jesus' hands told a story. It was a story of love. What story do your hands tell? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this opportunity. And Lord God, I just pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts. Father, as we read your word, your word is challenging. Those of us who call ourselves believers in Jesus Christ need with all of our hearts and our hands to live out what you've called us to do and be. So, Father, I pray that right now in this place, you would speak to every single heart, oldest to youngest, that each person would think of a person today or in the days to come, one person that they can reach out their hands. 
They can reach out with hands of compassion and mercy and love and grace. They can reach out and touch someone's life. Give them one person, Lord God, just one, and then use that experience to change their lives, to change our lives, to change the life of the person that we touch and to bring glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, at the end of our lives, we want our hands to tell a story, a story of mercy, a story of grace, a story of love, so that when we stand before you, we'll hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week.